Hello, my rebels. This is Ezra Levance. I am about to play for you a free version of the Ezra Levance Show. It's my TV show, um, but we make it for free uh, for a podcast. And today I talk about something heartbreaking overseas. Tommy Robinson, who I believe is a leading voice uh, for British people, for the working classes, uh, against the Islamification of society, a leading voice in defense of young girls who were victims of these massive rape gangs. Uh, he was just deleted on Facebook. He had more than a million followers. That's a million consenting adults who chose to hear what he had to say, and he chose to speak to them. Well, someone on Facebook didn't like those relationships and just pushed a button, and then there was suddenly a rumor like the Death Star destroying Alderaan. Did I get my Star Wars reference right? Um, so I hope you enjoy this terrible uh, show today because it's, uh, it's got a lot of bad news. Uh, if you uh, like listening to this podcast and you would love to watch it, I really think so. We have video clips, but in order to watch, you need to subscribe to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV shows on The Rebel. Uh, you get access to my daily show, and Sheila Gunn reed has got a show, and David Menzies got a show. It's only 8 bucks a month as a subscriber. You can buy an annual subscription for 80 bucks. That's really like two months free. And if you're a podcast listener, which I know you are, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe just go to the rebel.media slash shoes to become a member and if you want to leave a five-star review on the podcast then do so because apparently that helps all right without further ado let me tell you the story about tommy robinson you're listening to a rebel media podcast tonight tommy robinson was banned by facebook and instagram where he had more than a million followers their reasoning should terrify you it's February 26th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. In an act of outrageous political censorship, Facebook and Instagram announced today that they have permanently banned Tommy Robinson from their platforms. As you know, Tommy is a former reporter with The Rebel, and in fact, just this weekend, he had a big rally in Manchester where he unveiled his new documentary on a giant TV screen outside the BBC headquarters there. Uh, his movie showed BBC corruption and fake news. I was there to cover it. If you want to see my reports, look on The Rebel website or go to realreporters.uk. Anyways, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Uh, Tommy Robinson had about four, five, six thousand people show up at a massive protest outside a mainstream media company, and a few days later, a mainstream media company, that's what Facebook is, just deletes him and his one million followers. A million people who voluntarily asked to like or follow Tommy. A million people who obviously chose to hear what he has to say. Well, someone in Facebook disagrees with their choice, with their right to hear Tommy and his right to say what he wants to say. One million relationships between consenting adults. But someone at Facebook said no, and so it was. It's an act of political meddling, of course. Depending on how you measure, Tommy was either the most popular Facebook page in the United Kingdom for any politician or political figure, or the third most popular after Theresa May, the Prime Minister, and Labour opposition leader Jeremy Corbyn, depending on how you measure in terms of viewer engagement, he was huge. He really was a one-man news network, the alternative to everyone and everything in the UK media 
political industrial complex. And Facebook just deleted it. Of course they did. And now that's all just a rumor. It's gone like dust. Facebook owns Instagram, too, so he's gone from there as well. He was pre previously purged from Twitter and even from PayPal. They literally won't even let him bank anymore. I know what that's like when Tommy worked for us. Not a single British bank would let us open an account with them for our British operations. When we were looking for lawyers to represent Tommy in, in the media law we needed, like for checking something for defamation, for example, we literally had to go through seven law firms before any of them would take him as a client. You know how I did it? I think I might have told you this before. I literally found a lawyer whose website says he represents war criminals. I'm not kidding. And so I called him up. I said, you take war criminals. Can you give us some advice for Tommy Robinson? He took the case. That's how deplatforming and depersoning and demonizing and denormalizing has gone in the UK. And don't you think we're far behind over here? We're not. We're about five minutes behind them. It's political meddling, too, of course, and it is foreign meddling, too, when you think about it. Robert Mueller is about to release his report into Russian meddling in the U.S. presidential election. So far, he's found none. He's found some garden variety fraud or other minor crimes from some members of Trump's campaign team he's examined. You go through every single action of a man's life with a microscope with 14 prosecutors, you'll find something. They haven't found any Russian collusion, which was their reason in the first place. If 14 Democratic prosecutors can't find anything in two years, it ain't findable. But here, Facebook just deleted a political and journalistic Facebook page with one million followers. That's absolutely interfering in British politics. Russia never did anything as huge as that. Someone in San Francisco just pushed a button. Facebook didn't even have the courtesy to tell Tommy directly. Facebook leaked the news to the left-wing Guardian newspaper, which rejoiced that one of their enemies had finally been silenced. They couldn't out-debate him. They couldn't out-convince him. They could gag him. So much for freedom of the press, eh? Every British civil liberties group has been silent on the matter, too. Sorry, did I say silent? That's not quite true. It's been jubilation on the part of the left, especially the Islamic left. I don't know if it's a coincidence because it was bound to happen sooner or later, but I noticed that this Facebook ban comes just three days after Tommy's successful release of his film, Panodrama, that one that he did outside the BBC offices in Manchester. He meticulously documented systemic bias and corruption at the BBC's flagship investigative program, Panorama. It's like the 60 Minutes of Britain. So thousands of people turned up for that premiere. I was there too. It was really quite something in Manchester. And it utterly demolished the journalistic credibility of the entire BBC, I think. It showed the BBC's most senior investigative journalist, John Sweeney, faking storylines, trying to coach a young woman to make a fake complaint of sexual harassment against Tommy. It proves that the BBC let left-wing lobby groups in on the making of their documentaries. And what I thought was so telling was that the journalist, John Sweeney, was saying all sorts of racist and bigoted things against Muslims, Greeks, gays, whatever. It was all caught on hidden camera. The guy who was calling Tommy intolerant was the crudest man I've ever met. It was a PR disaster for the mainstream media. And so, well, here we are. John Sweeney is still working at the BBC, but Tommy is the one who's silenced, he's now off Facebook. His only remaining social media account is YouTube, and I suspect he won't last there long.
Uh, Facebook issued a short news release about the subject where they stated that one of the reasons they banned Tommy was that he, quote, has also behaved in ways that violate our policies around organized hate. Well, actually, that's not true. In fact, Tommy has never been charged, let alone convicted of promoting hatred or inciting violence. It's just just hasn't happened. Um, he's been convicted of other minor offenses in the past. It's true, but not promoting hate. As you know, he was wrongly jailed last year for contempt of court. He was freed after the UK the Court of Appeal quashed the improper conviction and sentence against him by a lower court. But what does any of that have to do with his Facebook page anyways? Political censorship for what you write on Facebook is bad enough. And I put it to you that it's illegal. Section 230 of the American Communications Decency Act, it's a very short law, uh, says that internet companies are immune from liability for what is on their platforms if they're neutral about their platforms. If they're like a stage that anyone can act on, if they're like a payphone that anyone can make a call from. So you wouldn't be able to sue a payphone company for what someone said while they were on the phone, right? That's what, that's what this law means. Uh, but when you start to decide what's on your website or not, when you start to check what people are saying on the payphone and approving some things and banning some other things, then you're not a neutral platform anymore. You're not like a, the paper company that sells newsprint, blank newsprint to the newspaper that puts the words on it. No, no, no. You're like a newspaper itself. You're the editor. You're the publisher. You're the broadcaster now. You're responsible for the content. Now, if Facebook really wants to be responsible for its content, fine. But then it doesn't get legal immunity for all the crap on Facebook, right? Now, that's all bad enough. But here's the novelty. I just read to you from the press release. They banned Tommy in part for what he did, his behavior in real life. Is it not... Not what he did on a computer on, on, on Facebook, but in, well, they actually didn't say where. Was it for something he did or said in his house on the city street? Maybe it was that big rally on Saturday. Facebook will now judge your real life. Facebook will put your actual real life on trial, uh, a secret trial to which you won't be invited, and you'll learn of the verdict against you when you read it in the Guardian newspaper. This is terrifying stuff. It's straight out of Orwell's book, 1984. Oh, and don't think Facebook is alone on that. Twitter has the exact same rule. And you know those creepy voice-activated home devices like Amazon Echo? You know those? Alexa, alarm off. You got to get up. Mm, it's Saturday. Alexa, what day is it? Today is Thursday, November 13th. Mm. Uh, I'm up, I'm up. Yeah, don't think they're not going to be monitoring what you say in real life and punishing you. I mean, have you ever read the terms of service for those things? You'd be nuts to let Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg have a live microphone in your house, in your bedroom, <laughs> recording everything always. Who would do that? This morning I spoke with Tommy to talk about his next steps, what's he going to do, and to offer him any assistance we here at The Rebel can give him. Tommy told me he's going to think carefully on the subject, whatever he chooses to do, whether it's taking legal action, helping him build a new website, or even inviting him to do more things on our Rebel website. I'll keep you posted on what he asks from us. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I'll tell you what he wants us to do and if there's a role for you too. But I'll tell you what I think is going on here. I think this is how you unperson someone in 2019. 
Tommy wrote a whole book called Enemy of the State. It's his autobiography. I read it. It's how the police and the prosecutors and the media establishment colluded to stitch him up, as they say over there in the UK. But the thing about police and prosecutors is that it's more or less done in public, especially now that Tommy's a, a big name in the news. So it's harder to throw him down a hole without someone noticing. That's what they tried to do last year by putting him in solitary confinement for, for 10 weeks. Um, now that, it almost killed him, but it, but it backfired on the government. The Court of Appeal let Tommy out of prison, as you know, and, and now he's a bigger name than ever. So if the police and the prosecutors and the courts can't really have their way with Tommy, and if the mainstream media is, is insanely against him, but no one really listens to them anymore, well, then what? Then, then how are you going to deal with them if you're a Tommy hater? I, I suppose you could kill the guy. There are plenty of terrorists who are threatening to kill him, but that would turn him into a martyr. How do you unperson him, you know? How do you just make him disappear? Well, in 2019, you don't have bothersome trials. You don't have censors. Because if you censor, well, the censors could be examined. If you, if you have charges, well, they can be fought by a lawyer. If there's no fair process, that can all be objected to. How do you just deal with the guy with any of all the fuss and the muss? You just have a secret trial by Facebook. No lawyers, no process, no publicity. Poof, he's gone. That's the way it's done in 2019. When I was prosecuted a dozen years ago for publishing the Danish cartoons of Mohammed in Canada, I used the internet, YouTube, blogs, PayPal to fight back. That's when the internet was about freedom. And, and we, little people, move faster and more cleverly on the internet than the big, slow-moving establishment bureaucracies. Well, the big government bureaucracies have learned a thing or two in the past decade. Now they use the internet, social media, to do the censoring for them. They outsource it to Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Google. No need for a messy trial, no need for interrogations that can be recorded or appealed like I did in my case or like Tommy did in his appeal. Just have a friend at Facebook push a button and it's done. What are you going to do? Squawk about it? You're not on Facebook to squawk. That's how it works in 2019. One day, I fear, you'll wake up and we'll just be gone too. And you won't even be able to find us because, after all, who controls the search engines? Who controls the emails? And you'll wonder, like they wondered in Orwell's book, 1984, if we really ever existed at all. Stay with us for more. Absolutely shocking footage from the campaign trail several months ago in Brazil, where the leading right-wing candidate, Jair Bolsonaro, was stabbed in the streets at a campaign stop by a far-left activist. He lost nearly 40% of his body's blood and survived only because of the speed with which he was taken to the hospital. He survived and he went on to win. And Jair Bolsonaro has already transformed Brazil's politics realigning it away from its historical path towards communism and internationally building strong bridges with countries like the United States and even 
Israel, Bolsonaro, one of the world leaders who has called for Juan Guaido to be the new leader of Venezuela. Joining us now via Skype from Raleigh, Carolina, is a young woman who left Brazil for America and is an anti-communist activist. Her name is Julia Song and she joins us now. Nice to meet you, Julia. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Tell me a little bit about your own past in Brazil fighting against the authoritarian communist rulers. So uh, in Brazil, we fell for the fallacies. I mean, this was back in 2003. We didn't have really the knowledge of the fake news media as we have today, as Trump exposed it uh, in 2016 in his campaign trail. We just believed that the systems who are built to indoctrinate us that uh, socialism was a good idea. We were we bought the 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 notion that it, it might be not as bad, right? We, we didn't think it was going to be as dictate dictate um, dictate. Uh, sorry, we didn't think that it was going to be as tyrannical because uh, we didn't think about it in the concept of we're electing a dictatorship. We just thought that it's just a government, a democratic government. But that doesn't really exist. Uh, democracy and socialism don't really walk hand in hand. And that's one of the issues that people need to realize. So once we elected the government, it was pretty much impossible to get them out of power. And that's why uh, he was stabbed. He was stabbed by an activist of the Socialist Party. And before, uh, four years before he tried to uh, run for a president, another uh, business-friendly um, candidate tried to run. And he also died in suspicious uh, circumstances right before the the camp uh, the elections. Hmm. So when you think about it, it's it's merely impossible. And people talk about Venezuela in a way that you know it's so hard to get rid of the socialist governments once you have them in power. Mm -hmm. It's it's virtually impossible. They'll cancel your your ability to communicate. They'll make uh, things like. Uh, even if they don't do so through regulations, they will do so through financial means. So, for example, they'll make uh, communicating extremely expensive so only the elites can communicate and things like that. So it's it's very disheartening for the Brazilian people to see, you know, he was going to get elected. But at the end of his campaign, he got stabbed and we were like, oh, no, not again. We're about to become Venezuela. We can't get rid of these folks. Huh. One of the things that I noticed over the years was how Barack Obama, as president of the United <laughs> States, gave so much moral support to the authoritarian rulers, not just his trip to Cuba, of course, which was a disaster. He gave so much political legitimacy to the Castros and got nothing in return in terms of liberalization. But I remember his high five style handshake with Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro and his praise for Lula, I remember once when he met Lula, uh, he said he was the most popular politician in the world. How much role did Barack Obama play in normalizing these abusive regimes throughout South America? Oh, and that's something that I, I speak about it very loudly and people don't realize the importance of America, the importance of North America overall as a, a beacon of freedom to the world. All of these events, I mean, the the... As we went out into the street and we were talking about, you know, getting together and gathering and fighting the tyrannical government, we were watching what America was doing. We were watching what the people were going to the street and, and fighting for. We were, and the world watches us. I believe 100 percent 
that the only reason why Bolsonaro won is because Trump won prior to him. And we see uh, in Italy, we see in Spain, we see in France, things, similar things happening. So when Barack Obama was really fighting for Lula and, and these people, we were so confused. We were like, the, the America that we look for, for freedom, is telling us that this guy here, who as soon as he got elected, he enacted uh, gun laws that we, we said no to. We said no to those gun control laws, and he enacted them anyway as soon as he got elected. And we didn't, we didn't understand why Barack Obama was, um, you know, preaching for this guy. And we tried to give him a chance, but in the end, we said no to it. Mm. So you're saying that uh, the, the socialist authoritarian leaders in Brazil made a big push to disarm the people. I can't help but think of the shocking scenes we've seen in Venezuela just over the last few days where humanitarian aid convoys, literally food and medicine, has been blocked on the highway by Nicolas Maduro and Maduro's thugs have literally shot people. They even ar arrested or detained an American um, Hispanic journalist uh, yesterday for asking the wrong questions. If you disarm the people, you can be a tyrant. That's the first step of tyranny now, I understand, and you brought to my attention a news story. Let me quote to you from Reuters here. Bolsonaro loosens gun laws in murder-ridden Brazil. Let me just read one paragraph, because this is the opposite of what tyrants do. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro on Tuesday signed a temporary decree making it easier for Brazilians to buy guns, delivering on a campaign promise to overturn strict regulations in a country suffering from a record wave of murders. That's phrasing it as a home defense, self-protection kind of thing. But I think it's bigger than that, Julia. And I'll take your advice because you've actually lived under tyranny uh, or, a, or at least an authoritarian socialist regime. When you allow ordinary families to have a firearm, you're actually buying an insurance policy against a Castro or a Chavez, aren't you? So yes, it's to stop crime. But if you have ordinary Brazilians with firearms, it's a lot less likely that a tyrant will take over. Am I right? Yeah, it's 100 percent. I'll apologize. Yeah, I got a, I'm recovering from a little bit of a cold. But um, so basically what, what happens and this is what people fail to understand. The only markets that will thrive under a socialist government are the illegal ones. So even if you ban guns, the people who need to get those guns for illegal activities, they're going to thrive. A new market is going to emerge, which is called gun rental. And that's how so many people will be murdered by guns, even though we live in one of the strictest gun control um, policies in the world. So those guns really only, uh, the, those laws really only work to keep the law-abiding citizens from owning weapons. And the reason behind it, and also the reason as to why, for example, they uh, defunded the military, and in my country in particular, in, in Venezuela, what they did was different. They took away all the, the leadership from the top leadership from the military and he put in his friends and et cetera to control the military. In Brazil, what they did was they defunded the military because anything that says power and that gives power to the people and the military was pro people, right? So they would fight against the government if that was the case. And so they try to take that away. They try to take away everything that the people can use to protect themselves. And that, that's one of the first things that he did. I mean, he, as he got elected in 2003, 
In 2005, um, I think through pressure of the people, there was a referendum and they asked the people, do you want more strict gun laws? And the people said no, but he didn't respect that. Mm -hmm. In socialism, your vote doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, uh, how have, I mean, Brazilians obviously voted for uh, Bolsonaro (laughs) despite so so many forces aligned against him. I, I know, for example, that uh, social media companies were actively censoring Bolsonaro the same way they censored Marine Le Pen in France and they censor our friends in the United Kingdom like Tommy Robinson. Um, How is it, Bolsonaro has been president for several months now, has he kept the people on his side? Are Brazilians optimistic and enthusiastic? Or is he, are they signing on to his changes? I, I, I noticed you, you mentioned some of the other countries around the world. I know Matteo Salvini in Italy has only gotten more popular. How about Bolsonaro? Is he doing well at home? I think that the, the people who had a lot of power, the media, the entertainment, the academia, they, they thought they had all this power. But Brazil is a conservative country uh, when it comes to politics. So at one point, you know, we we just told them we've been listening to you for so many years and look at what what it got us, where it got us. So we just started giving them less and less relevance and just listening to what Bolsonaro actually says. In fact, I think uh, and I'm not sure about this, but uh, about the exact time of this. But Bolsonaro was going live. I believe it was right after he, he got stabbed and he was recovering from surgery. And he was giving an update about his uh, status and Facebook just cut his life in the middle of it. And so what is what is so threatening about it to the media? What is so threatening about capitalism to the media? And I believe, you know, it might be a lot of subsidies uh, related to that. We had one of the biggest uh, media companies um, being receiving lots of subsidies from the government mm. to support that government. And artists, for example, they had... And one of the things that you have to realize is that the government will buy that influence. So they put together a law saying that um, artists could borrow money from the government for anything that they wanted to do. So they would just, if, for example, if they wanted to write a book, they would borrow millions and millions of dollars from the government to write their book that nobody would want to buy. So they was just enriching. They were just enriching themselves and uh, giving the subsidies to people who would uh, support that government. And uh, we just caught that. We caught huh. that. You know, what? I, I'm listening to you describe everything in Brazil from seizing guns to cracking down on social media to subsidizing approved journalists. And I, I'm, I'm thinking that's sort of the path Canada is on. I can't help but think that obviously we're nowhere near as far down that path as Brazil was or Venezuela is. Um, let me ask you uh, about... South America in general. Um, The United States doesn't have a perfect reputation down there. The phrase banana republic comes from heavy-handed American corporate and CIA and military influence, whether it's in coups or or even just corruptions of the rule of law. So America has to be very careful uh, because if it is seen to be directing or commanding things, that could yield a backlash. And I noticed that that Maduro, just like Castro, uses that narrative very strongly. Oh, we don't want to be colonized. We want to be free and independent. What can the United States do to support freedom lovers 
in Latin America, and I'm not going to say Canada because Justin Trudeau, he wouldn't he, when 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 Bolsonaro won, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau refused to even congratulate him. Uh, there was a perfunctory statement congratulating the Brazilian people. Didn't even mention Bolsonaro's name. It was quite a disgrace. But what can Trump do? How can Trump and other freedom-loving countries help Juan Guaido in Venezuela, help Bolsonaro in Brazil, without generating a backlash about Yankee go home, stop colonizing us? So that's that's really funny to me that you brought that up because actually, when you think about socialism, it's, it's the whole uh, bubble that you live in. And the, the people in Venezuela are living in that bubble. So they have systems of trust that they build to enact, uh, you know, to pretty much manipulate the individuals from the the lower uh, lowest age until adulthood. So, for example, uh, I remember, and this is a, a personal story, uh, but I'm sure it happens everywhere. Um, who controls the education is the socialist government. So they will control the book. They will control the what's being told, what's being taught in school. So, from a, a personal perspective, not Venezuela. Um, not Venezuela's perspective, but I'm sure that you can find a, a correlation there somewhere. Um, in Brazil, we have Amazonia. And the teachers would teach us in school that Amazonia has a lot of trees. And Americans need trees to build their houses, to build whatever. So we were going to be invaded by America at some point under the excuse that we could not take care of Amazonia. So they were going to use that to invade and take over and take our natural resources. That's what we were taught in school. We were taught to be really anti-American. So in Venezuela, I'm sure they teach us, they teach them about the oil, right? right. Um, so if, if America went there today and tried to do that, uh, the amount of narratives that would be thrown out into the wind will be incredible. I think that um, one of the greatest things that Trump can do is to keep being Trump, to keep pushing back, to keep teaching people, to keep opening our eyes. Um, when it comes to Venezuela, they don't really have access to the things that Trump does. So that works more for countries like Brazil, for countries like Argentina, for countries like Spain. Um, when it comes to Venezuela, I think it's really tricky. And I don't know if we should get involved militarily. I think that that is probably something that's going to have to die down on its own. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. I, I have no cultural or personal ties to South America. It's the one continent I've actually never visited, but I have so much affection for uh, people in South America who are fighting to be free. I'm genuinely touched by what I see on the streets of Venezuela, people crying out for freedom. I'm appalled by the tyranny that they live under, and I was so full of enthusiasm when Bolsonaro overcome everything, including being stabbed, to become the president of Brazil. So uh, just out of ideological uh, solidarity and just out of love for humanity, I, I admire what's going on from freedom fighters. And I know, Julia, you were one of the young freedom fighters who stood up to the previous authoritarian regime. You're now in America yourself, but I really appreciate your insight. It's nice to meet you today, and hopefully we can talk with you again when we have news about Brazil. The fact that you lived there and actually were part of the political protests, I think, gives you an excellent perspective. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, it's great to meet you. There you have it. That's Julia Song, who emigrated from Brazil to the United States, but when she was in Brazil, was a pro-freedom activist under the previous authoritarian regime. Stay with us. More Head on the Rebel.
welcome back to my monologue yesterday about Jason Kenney's bizarre immigration announcement. Rick writes, this better be someone's idea of a joke. We need Alberta and Albertans first. I'm not anti-immigration, but let's meet our own needs first and then see where we're at. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, uh, there can be an argument for bringing in cheap foreign labor when the labor market is extremely tight and people won't take jobs. Although the proper response there is for employers to pay an extra buck an hour. You know, would it really hurt if you've got a really amazing, booming economy and restaurants move their price up by a buck or so? Um, so, so working people would make a, an extra buck? I mean, I'm a capitalist uh, as all get out, but I think the answer to a tight labor market is to pay people more, um, not to bring in cheap foreign labor to undermine Canadian. That's what you do in a tight market. Alberta's had high unemployment and really a, a perpetual recession for four years. What is he thinking? Bruce writes, I'm deeply ashamed of Jason Kenney. Ottawa poisoned him, and even though I'll vote UPC, I'm not voting for Kenney. You know, I used to know him pretty well, and I, I don't know what happened there. I mean, I know the moment we diverged. It's when he, when he called um, the 3,000 oil and gas men and women who were unemployed at our carbon tax fund, when he called them ridiculous and offensive. And I thought, well, whose side are you on? Who are you trying? They're, not, they're unemployed men and women. They're desperate, and they're not pro protesting politely enough for you. What's that snobbiness? How do you maintain that snobbiness booting around Alberta in a pickup truck? What is, what's going on there? I don't know. Clayton writes, prior to Kenny's PCAA leadership when he came to Red Deer and he spoke about turning Calgary into a Silicon Valley of the North. I thought it was bizarre not to fix the oil and gas problem first. This is not a one-off. Jason Kenny was the immigration minister when Saskatchewan waitresses were being laid off in Weyburn. Temporary foreign workers were hired to replace them. And CBC reported this. Ralph Goodale's former aide didn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah, I mean, listen, I... I'm sure there have been wonderful people who have come to, to Canada through these open borders programs, but you know, in the United States, they have their illegal immigration that sneak across the border and they undercut American workers. I don't think it's much better when you have, when you give really cheap foreign labor a fancy name like temporary foreign worker, and you just undermine Canadians. That's, I mean, I suppose you could make the argument that that's in the interest of capitalism. But I, I don't think that's the interest of a country. Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, I know who likes open borders, the big companies, because they have cheap labor and higher prices for, you know, um, real estate. So I guess if you're a tycoon, you like the cheap labor and the high cost of living because you benefit on both sides. But I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. Karen writes, I have a concern that there's too much content given to far-right extremists. The rebel is getting connected to the far-right, which is not good for the conservatives being an election year. Canadians hear groups like North 99 criticizing and posting misleading information that gives people the wrong impression. I know you can't control the enemy, but at least cool it with interviews with people who are perceived to be far-right. Yeah, Karen, I don't, I don't think that's... That's how it works. And I know your letter went on a little bit more and talked about a right-wing senator. I know you're referring to Senator David Tkachuk, who, who used to turn a phrase, we're going to roll over the liberals. And everyone, oh my God, he means to actually take a truck and roll over liberals. I'm sure he means that. Listen, if you start to censor yourself and tailor what you say based on your hope that you can make your enemies not 
be your enemies anymore. It ain't going to work. Um, that's the thing. I mean, isn't that the lesson from the United States? Mitt Romney was possibly the nicest human being to run for president in a century. I mean, there's a guy who got an enormous inheritance from his father, who used to be the president of uh, American Motors Corporation. And he just said, no, Dad, I don't want my inheritance. What? There's a guy who voluntarily paid more tax than he had coming to him. What? There's a guy who was, I mean, as close to a saint as possible. And they found reasons to demonize him and hate him. He, he used the, the phrase, he said, hire women. I got binders for, full of women. Do you remember he just said that phrase in passing? Uh-oh, he has binders full of women. He puts women in binders. At, like, they, they'll do anything to destroy a good man. And, and to try and live your life to, to make it impossible for your enemies to hate you is not possible. And look, they devoured him. Donald Trump, who was the opposite, won because he pushed back. You know, we're, I don't even know what far right means. I know it's meant as an insult. I think that on many of the issues of the day, we're squarely with the Canadian people. I mean, with a carbon tax, it's sort of a yes or a no choice. I don't know if you can be far right. I mean, I'm super against paying a tax. Does that make me far right or if I'm just sort of against it? Most Canadians don't want to pay the carbon tax. Yeah, we're not far anything. 94% of Canadians don't think we should increase immigration. They either think it's right or should be reduced. Um, only 6% of Canadians want more immigration numbers. So that doesn't make you far anything. So I, I think you've got to stop letting the bad guys read, hand you a script in your life to read. Um, we're going to keep providing the other side of the story. And this obscure website you mentioned, North 99, that's some front group for some the NDP or the Liberals or whatever, I, I just don't even care. We're going to tell the truth. And by the way, it's our honest opinions. I'm not saying we never get it wrong, but we're going to say what we actually mean and believe. And so far, Canadians seem to like it. We're in our fifth year now. That's the show. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, see you at home. Good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Mm-hmm.